This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. Welcome back to the program. I'm Benji Shulman on the New Blue Review 101.9 Chai FM. Now, a lot of you might have seen in uh, papers, in various online news outlets, etc., this issue of the borer beetle, which has been uh, coming into South Africa, destroying trees, spreading all over the place, uh, and causing quite a lot of alarm uh, amongst general members of the population about what's going to happen to uh, our trees. Of course, Joburg is known as a tree city, and um, these borer beetles seem to be some kind of a particular threat. So what we've done is we've brought an expert into studio, a guy who's worked for 20 years in the maintenance and support of trees, uh, he is Julian Ortlep, and he is from TreeWorks. Julian, welcome to HiFM. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. So everyone has been talking about this borer beetle infestation, plague, whatever you want to call it. Uh, perhaps you can start off by telling us uh, what is this beetle, where is it from? Give us some background. Okay, so it's a, it's a very tiny uh, wood-boring insect, about the size of a sesame seed. Uh, it's uh, said to originate from Southeast Asia, Vietnam. Uh, what it does, it bores into the tree and it has the fungal spores on its body, which is its food, which it feeds off. And as it bores into the tree, they rub off into the tunnel that is bored. And those um, uh, tunnels then become uh, populated with the fungus. It interferes with the um, the vascular system in the tree and the transport of water and nutrients up into the tree and the tree slowly dies. Okay, so it's not actually the beetle itself that's the problem. It's the fungus that's attached to the beetle. Well, yeah, you could put it that way. But obviously, if you didn't have the beetle, you wouldn't have the fungus. So it's a bit of both. So the beetle is is sort of the vector. And how did we get this thing? I mean, how does it even get into the country? You know, there's all kinds of um, uh, theories as to how it got into the country. But the reality is this beetle, you only need one beetle to arrive in an area to start uh, populating it. And that's because she breeds with her sons and the sons will breed with the sisters. So it didn't necessarily have to come in a, in a piece of wood. It's, it's rumored to have arrived in, in crates. Um, it's very difficult to say, but it could have even come in a backpack from somebody arriving back or luggage back from a trip to Vietnam and it gets sh- cleaned out and then one or two beetles come out. Mm. Th- that's really how easy it is. And, and how, how many beetles per breeding cycle? I mean, if this thing is spread. Um, I, I think the, the guys from Pretoria University uh, said that in, in, in South Africa, the beetle has three breeding cycles a season. Okay. So that's quite a lot. We have a very long, warm period in our country, uh, in, well, in Joburg especially, so it gives them a lot of time uh, to proliferate. And are there a lot of them per, I mean, it's one of these things that makes like millions of, of oh, yeah. small you, beetles. You'll find in some of the reproductive host trees hundreds and thousands of beetles um, inside. It's, it's an incredible how many you actually find in some of the trees. And they then, and they, they fly to the next tree or do they walk? Or? Yeah, so the female, she's the one who flies. The male stays inside the tree and she'll fly. They say her, her, her flying distance is approximately 1.6 kilometers, which they call a mile in, in, in the U.S., um, to, uh, to, to, to a maximum flying distance. The male stays in the tree. Obviously, we have a lot. Um, we cause I- issue by spreading firewood, taking it around to places where the beetle isn't because that's all you need to do to spread it. You, you know, if the beetle can do 1.6 Ks in its lifetime, well, you can drive 1.6 Ks in, in a minute. Mm. So, you know, transported 20 Ks this way and 20 Ks that way, it's, it's one of the main modes of it spreading and and also um 
uh, prevailing winds will help it as well. So how far have these things gotten in terms of the South African landscape? Like we know it was in Johannesburg. Uh, has it gotten out of the city? Oh, yeah. It's in Joburg. It, it, it was first confirmed in Durban in the Botanical Gardens. Uh, it's in the Cape now, Western Cape. I was down there a few weekends ago look, look, identifying trees. Um, it's in Mpumalanga in some of the uh, pecanut orchards. So it's spreading very quickly. And I've heard, I haven't, it hasn't been confirmed to me, but I have heard that it's in the Kruger Park. I, I, I haven't heard a confirmation, but I've heard a couple of rumors that it's in Kruger Park now. Now, it hasn't so far infected all trees everywhere. Uh, it, it does seem to have preference trees. Do, do we know anything about that? Yeah. So you get a reproductive host tree and you get a host tree. Obviously, reproductive host tree is the tree they breed in. Those are the trees of main concern because they are providing the habitat for this beetle to proliferate. Um, there's the host tree is a tree that they just go and they look and they see, but they don't reproduce. Nobody seems to know why. What's the difference between the two types of trees and why they choose to breed in one and not the other? So the main reproductive host trees in and around Johannesburg are the London plane, English oak tree, Chinese maple, Asa Nagundo. And then, of course, it has crossed over onto indigenous trees, uh, some of the acacias, um, uh, karoo, acacia karoo, uh, acacia um, common hookthorn, paperbark, erythrina. There is a very, very long list of trees. And I have a personal bit of a, a dispute with some of the people who are putting the lists out there because obviously you don't want to replant a reproductive host trees and those are trees that, in my opinion, should be removed because there is no silver bullet, no control for this pest other than managing, managing it. Um, so you can still plant a host tree. But the real problem are the reproductive host trees that I've listed. But there are more than what I've just listed because they have found more. So this, it's, it's actually a very, very wide spectrum of, of trees. It's, not, mm. uh, it's, it's both indigenous and alien. It's uh, big and small. It doesn't seem to have a particular preference. It's, no, it's, it's quite correct. Often a borer will be specific to a type of tree. Here yeah, it's arrived here. We've provided this buffet for it and it's going crazy. Sure, that is uh, <laughs> quite disturbing. We're speaking uh, to tree expert today on the Bora beetle, Julian Ortlip, if you've uh, just tuned in. Uh, and you can SMS us on 34519 if you have any questions about about the trees. So, I mean, some of the heritage trees that we have in, like, you know, the Western Cape, even in Johannesburg, are those potentially under threat? Oh, yeah, very much so, particularly in the Western Cape, the old English oak trees that line the streets there. I mean, the English oak being a reproductive host tree is a primary uh, target and as we know in George, uh, the they've lost. Oh, I think might even be heading up to a hundred huge, massive old English oak trees already to this problem. Now, whenever you have a discussion like this about some sort of invasive invasive alien, uh, you, you sort of did mention controls uh, a little bit before, uh, and a lot of people immediately jump up and down and say, "Well, you know, can't we spray? And can't isn't there something that eats this thing? And isn't?" Uh, you know, isn't there some sort of pre-defense? So you're saying there's absolutely nothing that we currently have in our arsenal that can, can stop this beetle? There are a few products out there. One looks rather promising, which is an organic um, fungicide. Uh, they use the lipids to, de to, to deliver the, 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 the insecticide into the tree as well. Because remember, you want to hit it twofold if you want to try and kill the fungus and the beetle. But there's nothing that can be proven. I mean, there, there are things out there that have been touted, touted as the solution and the effective, or the cure and the effective solution. Now, that's a very, you've got to be very careful when, when people come and tell you these things because there is no cure and there is no effective solution. Because if I want effective solutions, my tree gets saved.
That's why I'm treating a tree. And there's nothing that we know as yet that will come and save your tree and kill all the beetles. And bearing in mind that if you were to hypothetically sanitize a tree that is a reproductive host tree and kill all the beetles, that it's going to become a target again. Mm. So treatment would then be forever right. until something happens. And and I see that this is a problem actually worldwide. This beetle has been found in California, in Israel, yeah. uh, in all, all sorts of other places. Mm. So, you know, uh, in America, obviously the tree industry is, is, is massive. Mm. So R&D into things like this, they would throw a lot of loot at it and they would do a lot of investigation, which they have done. Um, and even them and in Israel, you know, all these countries, including ours, we have a lot of clever people and nobody's managed to, to, to come up with a solution. The problem is that this beetle bores so deep into the tree. Mm-hmm. If it was only in the outer bark where the, where the, where the, where the um, vascular bundles are, it would be quite easy to treat because you could put your insecticide directly into the tree and, and it would hopefully kill it. But because it goes in excess of 10 centimeters into some of the trees, the bigger trees, you can't get in there to find it and that's where they're breeding mm. so it's, it's interesting it's almost like uh, in some respects we have to go back and think about how diseases were in south africa in the early 1900s when you had the rinderpest or uh, you know some of the other foot and mouth type things where there's no actual cure mm. but you actually have to focus on managing the disease and 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 stopping its spread it's from a, a more of a prevention management paradigm as opposed to a, a cure paradigm mm. Exactly. So, I mean, you mentioned foot and mouth. We all saw, what was it, 20 years ago, whatever, in the UK, when they were just burning all the all the cattle. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was part of their management process. And then also quarantine and all these things. So, that, a similar sort of approach should have been taken here. Yeah? Unfortunately, our local authorities in Johannesburg have done... Um, pretty much nothing about it and seem to have just sort of um, put their hands up in defeat and said there's nothing that can be done, Um, which is a little bit disappointing because uh, there is stuff that can be done even if it's not a cure, so to say, or management protocols that you can put in place. Which haven't, which hasn't happened. So, so let's talk about that. I think mm. you know we need to maybe get the discussion around management going. Clearly, what are the stakeholders and who has to be involved uh, in order to make this thing work? Well, obviously, um, in the city of Joburg, it would be the city of Joburg and the um, city parks department. Um, on a national level, you get to national government, and there are Stierco meetings happening, and I think they've had three or four of them. But again, it's a talk, and nothing seems to happen. Um, it, the, the, the wheels are turning too slowly, and I'm in Johannesburg, so you know I can I can speak from a Johannesburg perspective. Is that unfortunately city parks have been very uh, lax and um, um, non-responsive to this problem, and it seems that they have pretty much just accepted defeat and have now decided that they're just going to go around and cut down dead trees. That's basically their plan of action for the, with the borer. So, so on the ground, I mean, let's assume you could wave a magic wand, right, and have all the resources and, and all the talks done, and, and you could put together a task team of anti-borer beetles. What is it that you need to have in order to, to fight this thing? Is it people walking the streets, identifying things? Do we have to cut down trees, burn trees? What is the, the process you think that it looks like management for this? So let's go back to the beginning. What we, what we asked from city parks was to have a designated uh, dumping site, 
with equipment to chip the the wood up so that we could uh, they say that 90% of the beetle dies during the chipping process and the rest you would solarize which is basically windrows covered with plastic so in the beginning it would have been to identify the trees we knew where the epicenter was and to work from the outside in if I was the city arborist that's what I would have done and worked from the outside in and sanitize that area I believe that would have made a big difference obviously speculation is exactly that but if we look at how they're dealing with it in the countries that have a couple of years ahead of us with this problem, that's how they've done it. And they have seen a decline in the population of the beetle, obviously, because they have affected the, 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 the breeding territory. So that's what I would have done. Um, right now, because we are now basically in the third year of this, of this pest, we had this meeting with City Parks about a year and a half ago, April last year. Nothing was delivered um, since that meeting. And um, so the beetle has just it's just gone crazy because there is no official dumping site. People are taking wood all over the place. There are people who still don't know about the beetle because there's been no media campaign other than private companies like myself on social media and talks like this um, educating people. And there are, you know, the guys on the side of the road who are, are cutting down trees and they're waiting for you to cut down the tree. They don't know about the borer. They got cut down the tree and that wood goes this direction and that direction and, and, and spreads it. So there's absolutely no plan. Right. So we need a so we need a plan, and we need it countrywide. Yeah, it's a national issue now, and uh, it, 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 but there's no other way to describe this as a nat- nat- national catastrophe, environmental catastrophe. If you look into the recent reports of how how, how poor our air quality is here, and we are going to be losing hundreds and thousands of trees, you know, put the two together, and that in itself is a problem for us: illness, habitat for birds, property values hot weather, rainfall, it's all going to be affected. Exactly how many trees are we looking at in terms of an impact here, do you think? It's very difficult to to put a a figure on that. There are all kinds of percentages that have been um, put out there. But, I mean, if you look at Johannesburg, the oldest suburbs are the suburbs that are lined with the plane trees, the English oak trees, and they are the suburbs that provide the big green canopy we have. Mm. Now, if you were to think that Parktown North, Parkhurst, Dunkeld, Houghton, just those few suburbs um, would lose all their plane trees, because predominantly those are the street trees. Um, yeah, you're looking at, let's say Joburg's got 6 million trees, and we lose 10% of that. That's very conservative. Mm-hmm. They, I, I would say it's probably up to 30. Sure. You know, we're looking at hundreds of thousands of trees. And I remember a few years ago, it was a black wattle tree uh, in Auckland Park. There was a lot of rain, and the, the wattles don't have a great root system, so it fell over and it killed someone in a car. Mm. Now, those plane trees are big. I mean, mm. is there a risk of trees falling over on people? Is it that kind of risk, or do they just kind of die on the trunk, so to speak? Yeah, so they die slowly. Obviously, the longer it's left there in its, in its uh, dead state, it's, it's going to become a bigger problem. But the borer doesn't cause a, won't cause the tree just to fall over. That's generally a, something below ground, an issue below ground where they do not go. Okay, okay. Mm. And when we're having a look at, at the trees, so uh, a lot of people, because it bores so deep, they don't know what to look for. Uh, so how how will you know if your tree is infected or if it's a host tree? Because at least maybe someone listening to the show could at least identify if their tree is sick or ill or whatever. So you're looking for some frass, which is very, very fine sawdust sitting in the crevices. If you've got a very rough bark tree, you'll notice it. Uh, around a lot of the holes, there is a wet patch or an exudate, a gum that sits there. Um, there also you will find... Um, 
the hole you've got to look really carefully for. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny little hole, about a millimeter, maybe slightly less. Um, and you look for that in the crevice of the bark because the beetle doesn't want to bore from the thick through the thick bark. It's going to go in between where the bark is the thinnest and it's going to start boring there. And obviously, if you look up into your crown of your tree, don't only look on the main stem in front of you. Look up into the tree and um, look at the branches. And you see dieback. It's a bit difficult now because of the season we're in. But uh, look for dieback in the crown. Um, but what, what is dieback? So dead sections, okay. dead branches in, in the tree that look unusual. But generally, it's frass, exudate, which is a, a gum and, and a wet patch. And even they call it a, a, a bar. A, uh, a frass noodle sticks out like a little bit of a noodle out of the hole that they've uh, bought in the tree. We're talking today to Julian Ortlep from TreeWorks. We'll be back just after the break. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. New Blue Review back on 101.9 High FM talking about trees and uh, this borer beetle phenomenon, uh, which is currently affecting uh, Johannesburg and the entire country uh, here with Julian Ortlip. Now, Julian, so we, we, we've seen what's going on. Uh, you've kind of painted this quite bleak picture about uh, the the trees and what might happen to them. Uh, what now? What do we do, ordinary people listening to a show like this, what can be done? Right. So if you've got a tree on your property that is a reproductive host tree, my personal recommendation is to have it assessed. If you want to try and treat it, you're welcome to try and treat it. Like I said, there's no guarantee. We have had some trees that we've caught it, well, trees, uh, susceptible trees that we started treating prior to infestation with a beetle, and they still seem to be clear. So it's very important to have your your tree assessed um, and make sure that you're getting a proper recommendation and, and, and not some unrealistic um, uh, um, advice. Uh, obviously, we we are going to be removing a lot of trees, so we have to continue planting we can't now a lot of people are saying oh crikey well i can't plant now it's going to get affected by the borer the reality is you're not going to be planting a reproductive host tree but you can plant in my opinion a host tree which is like i said earlier tree that they do not breed in we must carry on planting so some josh has uh sms into the studio thank you josh uh is saying can your guests say if jacarandas and fruit fruit trees are vulnerable to the borer okay so on the list jacaranda is one of the trees on the list personally i haven't seen on a jacaranda yet and i've looked at many many jacarandas so although it's on the list somebody saw it somewhere i think the guys at the university saw it somewhere i cannot say jacaranda trees a problem yet um, we just hope the beetle doesn't change its diet and start uh, feeding or, or boring into the tr- these the jacaranda trees and etc. Um, fruit trees, yeah, problem. We're finding it in a lot of uh, fruit trees and gardens. Uh, it, you, the, the, the way to fi- look for it on a fruit tree is it's a lot of gum that comes out of the tree where, where it's made its uh, where it's bought into the tree, and obviously that is a big problem from an economical point of view because if it gets into our agricultural industry, it's going to be a huge problem. So yes, fruit tree, uh, and I'm up currently I'd say no pinoak, but that doesn't mean keep be aware. Always look at your if you have a pinoak, keep an eye on it for the what we discussed earlier as to the signs and symptoms. And if you happen to have a breeding tree, surely the the correct thing to do is just to to burn it and cut it down so that it can actually not be a host to this thing anymore. Well, yeah, getting rid of the uh, the environment that it breeds in or its habitat is very important. It's it's what they've done in overseas. Um, and um, if if your tree is heavily infested, burning is a way. Or, or they did it. Although they did a, a test at the 
Pretoria University where they put a piece of wood with borer into, I think they called it a mushroom heater, some sort of thing that heated up slowly and the beetles crawled out and wanted to disappear. Hmm. Still, the, the, the most effective way, I believe, is to chip it and then okay. solarize it. So that's, uh, so that's a decision that a tree owner might have to make if, if they find that their tree is uh, infected. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. And, and regrowth, obviously. We need to keep then replant, redoubling our efforts to replant Absolutely. We need to plant, plant, plant. We should f- be planting wherever we can plant a tree now. Now, you guys, obviously, you're a private company. You work on tree health. But is there a, a other organizations that are working on this issue? There are lots. Uh, we work very closely with the Johannesburg Urban Forest Alliance, which is uh, the acronym JUFA. You can find them on Facebook and Twitter, and they're very heavily involved um, with the borer. Obviously, their um, role extends beyond the borer to trying to um, uh, prevent the deforestation of our city with the densification. That's a big part of their, their, their um, uh, mandate. Um, but uh, obviously also very heavily involved in the borer issue um, and, and giving a lot of talks and advice and ref- and uh, to people, and they've got a lot of reference to it on their website. So if you want to check out some information and you need more information, you can go there and, and have a look. Yeah, I mean, I think we've also got some, but they've got a really, you know, I, I send people there rather than duplicating stuff on my website. I send people to Jupiter to have a look at uh, uh, what they've got available so if people do want more information and they are concerned about this particular issue mm-hmm. Jufa is one place can they also phone you guys do you do tree assessments yeah, yeah no, we can we, go, we do a, a, an assessment there is a small fee for an, uh, of 250 rand for, for an assessment and we'll give you a report on the tree and um, and then you know the homeowner can decide on what they what they want to do okay so how can they be in touch with you then uh, they can call us on our office at 011-884-8088. Uh, they can go to our website, www.treeworks, T-R-E-E-W-O-R-K-S, .co.za, and um, email us as, via that. Well, there we go. Maybe uh, a bit of an outing for the family this weekend. Go into the garden, check out the tree, and see if uh, you can maybe detect this borer beetle. Uh, if you have one of those trees, check out and see maybe is your tree on the list because it's uh, it's almost an epidemic by the sounds of it. Mm, it is. And something Big we're going to have to be facing. Julian, thank you so much for coming into the program, and good luck with uh, fighting this thing. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay.